you know, I said the other week about my arm being in a sling. Yep, yep, I recall. My, and I, I talked about my shoulder a bit. Like you did? Twinging a bit since June. I got a bit aggravated in a match with someone who works exclusively arms. And uh, got me in a wrist lock and uh, used that to smash his shoulder into my shoulder. Uh, which turned out to be not great for the shoulder. Mm. Uh, just, just for anyone listening, um, if you... Uh, are considering getting put in a wrist lock and uh, getting smashed shoulder to shoulder. Um, make sure that your shoulder ain't twinging beforehand, because it will fucking twinge after. So, anyway, I've been putting off going to the doctor about it because I'm scared. Um, just a bit worried, because um, I don't want to take time off. i got shit to do. And I have a theory as to what is wrong with it now because i thought it might be a rotator cuff but given something that happened a few days ago i think i've been wandering around most of the year with a dislocated shoulder oh no no. and didn't clock it oh no i think that's what happened either it happened in june or it became that way with the uh shoulder barge and it tracks because of my I mean, I'm always in chronic pain anyway. Right. And even before that, my pain tolerance is freakishly high. Like, I've had sort of procedures and and experiences where, like, people are like, you should be screaming, and I'm not, because I just, it's just, it's a bit dull uh, compared to what other people might feel. And of course, being in pain all the time, you learn to shrug a lot of it off. You get used to it, yeah. Yeah. So what happened... (laughs) was I hugged Phoenix before training last week and made the poor NB jump because I screamed. I was like an inch (laughs) away from their face and I just screamed in their face because as I wrapped my arm round, there was an almighty pop. A kajunk of a pop, which I theorize was my shoulder popping back into place. Wow. Has it been feeling better since? Oh, it's sore as fuck. It's really sore, but it feels different. You know when you get that pain where it's like, you feel like it's because something positive was achieved? Right. It's like mm. if, you, if you've ever experienced migraines, um, when the migraine starts moving around the head... Mm. Or if you've got like that sinus pressure, like really bad on one side and it's just as painful on the other side, but at least it's different pain. Yes, exactly. Um, So I'm still trying to keep it careful, but I'm still optimistic that I can work through it and do do my wrestling bookings, but probably won't be taking any more shoulder barges on the right hand side. But yeah, yeah, I think that's what happened. I reckon eventually I'm just going to have to bite the bullet. You know who would probably be able to give you some insight into this? Mm. A doctor. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, yeah I, I, I think I'm <laughs> yeah. going to have to bite the bullet and uh, get it checked out. Uh, other than that, had my last match of the year uh, last Friday, which ended with a win for myself and Priscilla. Congratulations. Queen to the Ooh. Space Age. It was only a win via disqualification because Nathan Black uh, threw a chair into my face. Um, square at it if you've seen the clip on the Gymquisition or social. Beautiful chair shot, I've got to say. Fucking gorgeous. Uh, and that's how my 2022 ended. Uh, and I'm getting my revenge on him in, oh, at the time of recording, 10 days time in Leeds for True Grit Wrestling, January 14th. Comedian versus Commander. 
It's going to be, oh, I'm going to fucking destroy him. I'm going to get nice. him in a wrist lock and barge my shoulder into his. <laughs> so that's that's all what's new, aside from the fact it was my birthday. Yep, happy birthday. Thank you. Um, 30 fucking nine. Uh, went to an aquarium, no big deal. That that was about it for my birthday. Just uh, had a lovely time. Because last year, uh, this time last year, I was still in America. And for my birthday... Phoenix gave me an IOU uh, to take me to the aquarium when I got back to the UK. Didn't get round to it for a year. And then exactly one year later on my birthday, they took me. Um, So I'm still waiting for my IOU present uh, for this year so that I can sort of know what I'm getting next year. But I'm looking forward to getting that that IOU. Uh, But yeah, lovely time. Bought a rubber lobster. Couldn't be happier with that, could I? Uh, how was everyone's new year, though? I had a lovely time. Yeah. Um, I, I saw Phoenix for a little bit. I uh, mm-hmm. saw some friends over, over New Year's, and we played a lot of board games. Um, it has been... It was just a lot of doing nothing, and I needed that. Yeah. I needed to do a lot of nothing. Yes, you did. <laughs> and now I've come back with, like, a billion deadlines to get done in January, and Ugh. that is my punishment for having taken some nice time off. Uh, well, at least the time off was nice. It was. They can't take that away from you. I've got a book to finish writing and a bunch of books to sign this month on top of regular work. It's it's going to be a busy one. Alrighty. Yeah. Conrad. Yeah. You two out? Yeah, I uh, had some people over for New Year's and we did karaoke and just generally bummed around and that was nice. And then um, yesterday I went to the dentist mm-hmm. and got some work done. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I got some things filled. Isn't that fun? Got three filling. You know, I haven't had a, you know, I'm notorious for having not gotten any medical attention for a very long time and uh this experience getting fillings done was really interesting for me yeah 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 because i'm not a needle guy like Mm. needles are just sort of uh one of those uh i hate them that's what i was thinking the novocaine needle is especially interesting because it's one that i have some of the most experience with and it's also fuck off huge like the the syringes that I used to get for Novocaine, they'd be these thick diameter motherfuckers. And you always really, like, you'd feel it when it was going. And even, you know, they numb you. But you'd feel it going. And then you'd feel the Novocaine going in after. Mm. And it was really not pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. My new dentist has a machine. It's like a little... I, I didn't get a great look at it because it was held just below my field of vision, but it's like a little rectangular box, and I assume it's got some sort of needle drill apparatus on the end by the way it whirs, and it just drills, I guess, into your gums mm. and very, very slowly administers the Novocaine to the point where you almost don't feel it. Ugh. I would feel like you would need the Novocaine in there before drilling into it. Well, no, they put a topical anesthetic on the gums to numb the region. Mm. They've done that for years. Like, even when I was getting the full needle, that's what they would do. Yeah, but there's something different. Now you've said a drill was in your face and the big painkillers weren't in there yet. I'm like, mmm, don't like that. Mmm, um... It was a weird, it's this very high, not not the drill noise not, like that you associate with the dentist. It's clearly a drill. There's a motor in there. Something is working. It was mighty odd, um, but not 
horrendous, right? Yeah. It wasn't painful um, in the way that the Novocaine injection was. So that was kind of fascinating. The other thing, too, is like the pen or the light that they use to uh, set the compound resin in your mouth. Mm -hmm. That has gotten very small, too. It was like the size of like a turkey baster, which I found fascinating because those things used to be huge. Like, yeah. technology's amazing. We're shrinking everything. And there are few fields in which I think miniaturization is of more merit than dentistry. Agreed. The less you have to cut about in the mouth, the better. Right, yeah, you know, or or the, the less you have to, like, wrench somebody's jaw open to fit a piece yeah. of equipment in there. Yeah. It quite truly was the most pleasant dentistry experience I've ever had. And I had a great dentist before this. Like, I really liked him. But, holy shit. I'm glad to hear while simultaneously being reminded that I never want to think about the existence of dentistry as a field ever more than I have to. Yeah. Anytime it comes into my field of existence, I'm like, no, 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 no. I gotta say, if it's been a while since you have seen a dentist or had work done, you know, the future is now. I don't doubt it, but it does still require someone poking around in my mouth. Oh, sure. Yep. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I'm still skeeved out. I keep having to go back to mine. Yeah. He did a scale and polish. I don't know what he fucking did beyond that, but I keep having to... Ever since I saw him the once, I keep having to go back. I reckon he fucked around in there. I reckon he created problems to get me to keep going Mm. back in. I've got to have one ripped out. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know why. Yeah, I've got to get a root canal and a crown on one, but... Oh, God. Yeah. I, they wanted a root canal on it, and I was like, you know what? It is right. At, it's so far back. I thought it was a wisdom tooth. Just pull it. Oh yeah, yeah. Just pull those. Don't want it. Um. So yeah, I've got to reschedule that. But yeah, keep going in. I had to have a, a filling redone because it was hurting several fillings. And yeah, yeah. Just the scale of polishing on its own is horrible. Yeah. Where they do the the deep cleaning, it's traumatic. I have as yet passed on that. In fact. They texted me like five or ten minutes after I left the office because they'd had a sudden cancellation on a cleaning. Yeah. And wanted to know if I wanted to, you know, come back and fill that slot real quick. Um, which, you know, all things considered, I was still numb as fuck from the Novocaine. So maybe that wouldn't have been so bad. But all of the scraping and chipping yeah. and all of that just, like, that drives me nuts. You get enough of that with a filling. Right? Yeah, exactly. Aesthetically, I am over the fact that my teeth look like shit and, and I just don't smile anyway. So what's the problem? Well, yeah. And and like Fee pointed out as well, like the thing with the scale and polish is it can genuinely cause more problems because mm-hmm. it will get rid of the plaque that was holding your teeth together. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, it's better not to have it, but fucking hell. I've seen too much of the dentist this past year and I take fairly decent care well i take better care of my teeth than than anyone else in my immediate family ever did no time for it but yeah that was my new year's yeah awesome pleasant karaoke night and then a trip to the dentist hell yeah yeah starting it off right living that wild party boy lifestyle and of course i made pork and sauerkraut because that's the new year's tradition well of course and our guests left before the pork and sauerkraut. They're going to have terrible luck all year. And I wound up with a five-pound fucking roast that I could barely fit into my crock pot for cooking. Oh, well, you're going to uh, practically be a fucking leprechaun. The amount of luck pouring out of you. I know. We're still eating it tonight for dinner. Nice one. <laughs> yeah. Nice one. 
<laughs> I've had your pork and sauerkraut. I don't like sauerkraut, but you do a lovely bit of pork. Yeah, the sauerkraut's not for everyone, yeah. and I get that. I was very disappointed. My normal brand of sauerkraut that I bought this year, you know, I, I get a couple of bags of it. Because I'll have it with something else, you know. I'll make pierogies yeah. and and serve up some sauerkraut with pierogies. And so we did that. And the sauerkraut was not sour. What? That's the point of it, isn't it? That's, it's just kraut. Yeah, otherwise it's just kraut. Mm-hmm. None of that bite was there, that acidity. It was really, really sad. I had to go back out and buy two bags of a different brand this year. And I don't know what I'm going to do next year. This has thrown my ritual into havoc. You're going to have oh. to get some cabbage and just pour some, like, like past its sell-by date milk into it. Just get some, like, <laughs> off milk, pour it into some cabbage, and there you go. I have given serious thought to making my own sauerkraut. Yeah. Specifically for the annual pork and sauerkraut. The thing is, I need to start now. Yeah, because you need it to be filthy, don't you? Is, is, it, is it one of those real long-term productions yeah like the fermentation process for sauerkraut is like 12 months so yeah yeah i i think i'll start with some kimchi it's a little shorter term yeah build up to your sauerkraut yeah 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 well uh, welcome to bookquisition (laughs) it's it's a show there's video games here sometimes 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 talk about them yeah Yeah. Has, has anyone played any of them this week by any chance. Oh my god. Sorry. Uh, it's been storming and my patio door just blew open. And oh no. Scared me. Oh no. It's all right. It's it... Give you a spook. Yeah. Oh god, I don't a want. Thrill. Can't be doing with ghosts. Not today. Too early in the year for ghosts. Yeah. Not when I'm getting a 1998 Godzilla movie pinball machine. Like that's coming today and I do not want to be chasing ghosts instead of listening to Matthew Broderick's digitized voice. Is it possible the machine is haunted and the ghost oh, just God. arrived early? Not a ghost in the pinball machine. Ghost in the pinball machine. I can't be fucked with it. Yeah. It'll push the ball when I'm trying to flip it. Maybe it'll push it a good way. Maybe it's going to be like a helpful pinball ghost. It could be a friendly ghost. There's a couple of them knocking about. I mean, it's it's Yorkshire. They tend to be a bit friendlier up here than down south. Fucking nasty ghost stand. Well, what the fuck am I talking about? Welcome to Podquisition, everyone. <laughs> Fucking nonsense coming out of my mouth. Uh, video games. Um, yeah. Who would like to take the lead? Uh, you know, I'll open up with the recurring segment I'm going to have for a little while, which Ooh. is what games did the Playdate provide to me this Monday? Mm-hmm. Um. Sorry, just uh, I don't want to interrupt, but I just want to say this will also lead into... It feeds into a regular section I'm going to do called Must Be yeah. Fucking Nice. <laughs> now, please, <laughs> please tell us about the game. Well, uh, yeah, this has been one of the better weeks so far of uh, Playdate games, and that is not to knock past games, but I've really liked both of this week's ones um, in different ways. One of the games this week was called Pick Pack Pup. It is a game that doesn't use the crank particularly intensively, it mainly uses it for sort of moving through little comic book style cutscenes. But it is a uh, sort of a match uh, a match the objects game. I was going to say match three game, but you can match more than that. Themed around working in uh, being a little dog working in a fulfillment center. Oh, it's adorable art wise. Uh, the thing I really like about this is it's got like a really smart little spin on this formula. So the way it works is, you know how in most of these kind of games, when you match three or more of the same thing, it'll automatically clear from the screen. More things will drop down to fill its spot. 
That doesn't happen in this. When you match three or more of a thing together, uh, they get packaged up. They get wrapped up, ready to, to be sent out. But they stay on the board, uh, make, taking up space and making it more difficult to maneuver your pieces around to make other combos. What you are trying to do is make as many three or more packaged up things as you can in one go on the screen by yeah. manipulating them in such a way that like, you're not blocking yourself off from you know, getting pieces where they need to be for other ones, to send as many packages as you can at once to get a big combo multiplier. Each level has, like, a unique uh, gimmick it's going for, um, uh, a sort of challenge that it'll be asking you to do, but it's all done with... There's no timers. There's no, like, pressure on when to complete it. It's just... You could complete this more efficiently for your own uh, success and get more flashing lights and things happening. Yeah. But you can, there's no, it's just a nice sorting game with no time pressure where you've got time to think about how do I do this efficiently so I make as many, as many matching things as possible to send off so the little dog in the corner of the screen is happy and claps his hands. It's adorable and has had like a lot of really, I've really enjoyed a lot of the like single level in the campaign, uh, the variety of some of the challenge ideas they've had, uh, which have ranged from things like um, make sure that when you send off packages, uh, every single item on the bottom row of the screen is in one of the packages. So like all of those were used in matching sets through to don't worry about any of the matching things at all other than bananas. There is just a rush order on bananas. Only care about matching bananas right now. Like it's got a lot of fun ideas and it's very charmingly presented. The other one I played this week was called Lost Your Marbles, and I'm gonna have to do a bit of a walk to explain it. I think it's great, but there is no easy way to get into it. Um, you are a young girl who is interning at some kind of, like, scientific lab where Professor Marbles, the, the cat, who is a professor, has invented a, uh, a sort of brain apparatus that you pop on your head, uh, that functionally it kind of seems like oh, that movie Limitless where it's like ah oh, you've unlocked your brain potential but like the, the logic behind it is you are able to answer questions you don't know the answer to because it is helping your brain disregard unlikely answers and sort of narrow down to what's probably correct. Okay. Fun little gimmick. And then your dog runs past having seen Professor Cat and chaos ensues and the thing on your head gets damaged and now your brain doesn't work right, and there is marble-based gameplay mechanics. <laughs> so, the gameplay for this is, it is a narrative game where you are going through a story and there will be decision points about how to proceed. And whenever there is a choice that needs to be made, you start rolling a marble around inside your brain, uh, using the bottom half of the crank's, like, 180 degree of movement to tilt the world inside the screen left and right to move this marble around. Here's the gimmick. There is no fail state. But there are multiple goalposts your marble could reach. Um, easier ones to reach are more ridiculous, and sensible answers to the question you're being posed are more difficult to reach. It is a platforming game about getting marbles to the correct answer uh, that might lead to nonsense when you accidentally sent the marble the wrong way and now something silly has happened. So it's like a slightly more skill-based pachinko for the brain. Kind of? It's, what if a visual novel or like one of those choose-your-own-adventure-y horror game type things but you couldn't just pick the answer. You had to play crank-based tilt pachinko to try and get the answer you want. And if you get the wrong one, you're going to have to live with it and be, it'll happen. 
Just like real life. Yeah, and like, here's the thing. I really appreciate that this game doesn't have, at least from what I've played so far, doesn't seem to have failure states for getting one of the uh, quote-unquote incorrect answers. That's just life now, yeah. Yeah, what it will do is it commits fully to the bit, um, and that is where the plot is going. And its straight-faced commitment to the bit in the face of ridiculousness is really amusing. I respect it. Yeah. A good example, early on, dog's gone missing, I need to find my missing dog. First level was like, what kind of paper are we going to print the missing missing dog posters on? I managed to avoid chewing gum wrapper uh, and get to like heavy duty cardstock. Uh, but on the next uh, the next question, which was which photo of the dog do we use, I uh, accidentally got a photo of the dog's butt. Just the dog's butthole on display. Full butthole. Yeah, so we've got heavy duty cardstock. Have you seen this dog? And it's just butthole on the poster. <laughs> and and then onward the story continues. Oh, gotta get a play date. I did not know the play date had full butthole. It has full doggy butthole. Fucking hell. Depending on the dog, though, that might be the easier way to identify it. Honestly, True. yeah. Like, the character you're with, I think, makes a joke, something of, to the effect of, I don't know how helpful this is going to be for humans, but it, we might get other dogs coming. <laughs> And like, it's it's just a really charming little silly thing that has like the the challenge of trying to get the 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 good answer is entirely self imposed. Mm-hmm. If you, it's like, hey, it's there, and you, like, there's a little bit of a feeling of I want to do it to prove I can. But if you fail, you know what? It, I've just realised it kind of makes me think of weird comparison. Disco Elysium. Mm-hmm. You know how in Disco Elysium it's. You get the bad answer and you don't want to go back and redo it because it's like, I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve, but the game is rewarding me anyway. Yeah, it just continues the game. It's still continuing and I'm seeing something unique for my failure. Mm-hmm. I I really like that about it. Awesome. Um, so yeah, this week was Pick, Pack, Pup and Lost Your Marbles. Both really neat ones. I, I'm continuing to be very happy with uh, the Playdate selection so far. Right. Must be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice. <laughs> what about both of you so far? What have you played this week? Can I talk about my daughter? Your daughter? I'm a proud mum. I'm a proud mummy now. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned the virtual pet mm-hmm. that I got a few weeks ago that abandoned me. Um, so curious and... With autism brain deciding it wanted a new hyperfixation, I got a Tamagotchi, like a proper one. Um, I was curious as to like what a modern one is like, and they released yeah. one in 2021, uh, the Tamagotchi Picks. Um, specifically, this is the Tamagotchi Picks Party, which was a slightly updated one that I got because it's like literally in trans colours, so I had to get that one. Um, it's more or less just the same thing. <laughs> As it was in the 90s. Um, but it's making me happy. So I can't complain too much. Um, changes are it's in full colour. Because um, it used to be like a little LCD screen. Yeah. So now it's like a tiny little full colour. I think it's like 64 bit, I think, screen. Um, but very sort of very, very rudimentary animations and things. Um, you know, Tamagotchi have never been um, very detailed in, in terms of their design. <laughs> 
um, like their visual design. Um, so it's very, very simple animations and stuff like that. Um, it's got all the usual stuff. The little beast is still shit on the floor. Um, there is a toilet. I've been trying to make this fucking thing go on the toilet all day, but she's like, I don't need to go. I don't need to go. Next thing I know, there's a poo on the floor. So can't can't anticipate that. Uh, but it's it's all otherwise all the usual stuff, you know, cleaning up the poo, uh, give it a bath, feed it a food, um, give it like toys to play with. There's some little mini games and um, like you fill up a happiness meter. Um, I'm still on my first one. After seven days, they want to go back to their home planet and they leave you a new egg. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, it's it's kind of cute having one again, um, and it has taken up a lot of my time, even though they don't really do very much. I just like checking in on it. Uh, as far as like new stuff goes, um, it's called the Tamagotchi Pix because it's got a camera on it. Um, the oh, top of the plastic sorry. shell is like like it's egg shaped, like they uh, most of them yeah. are. But the top of it is like a the top of it's cracked, and you push it in to click it, and you can take photos that way, like really sort of low quality photos because it's a little tiny plastic thing, so it's not like high def or anything. But you can take little pictures, and your Tamagotchi can be um, on it, so you can try you can take a selfie or whatever if you want, and that's cute. Um, if you go exploring, you set uh, if you use the explore option and your Tamagotchi walks around and you use the camera, it will use the colors it's picking up to determine, um, what NPC will show up to hang out for the photo. Uh, you can also use that to take photos of, um, various colors when you're making food. If you want to cook your own food, you take photos of colors and that'll help you determine what you um, make when you cook. The most use I've gotten out of the camera is the fact that um, there is a huge list of QR codes that let you um, unlock new food items, new um, toys, accessories, stuff like that. Uh, so that's good. Uh, that's mostly what I've used the camera for. Um, what else is new on it? They've One thing I they, they've added that I'm not too fond of is <clears throat> instead of the three buttons they normally have, they're three little touch pads, which oh. I see why they've done it. It keeps it flatter and they can say they did something modern. Um, but for the, for the most part it works, but I have an issue like accidentally pressing the wrong pad cause you're not clicking in. You're just sort of rubbing yeah. your finger over it. And I found that in order to not press the wrong button, you need to favor the left-hand side of the touchpad. Otherwise you'll run the risk of, um, clicking on the other one. Um, plus some of the mini games, require you to swipe across all three of them and mm. you do that for some menu navigation as well and for cleaning up poo or uh, vacuuming and it's fine then but when it's like uh, Tamagotchi's on a merry-go-round and you've got to swipe across to maintain a certain speed without it slowing down or going too fast it's just not precise enough um, so I find that frustrating uh, but otherwise I am glad I got it. It really, yeah. it's hard to justify it for anyone. It's because it, it really hasn't changed much. It's a, it's a shallow thing. Yeah, it, it's just a thing that shouts at you and says, pay me attention. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a husband for that. Um, <laughs> one that will glom onto me and then say, where is it, Steph? 
Where is it? Where is my attention? Um, so I've already got like a, a little cryptid Tamagotchi that's looking at me right now. <laughs> a little cryptid Tamagotchi that hangs out in the house. Um, and only shits on the floor um, semi-regularly instead of several times a day. Um, but it is cute. Like, for a lot of people, they'd be like, well, I could buy a video game for as much as you can get one and have a lot more, like, get a lot more out of it. Um, <clears throat> but it just makes me happy. It It's stupid. Um, but I liked things like this as a kid. If it makes you happy, it's not stupid. It's doing, doing its yeah. job. That's true. Um, just briefly, I'll say, because <clears throat> um, it's just sparked an interest uh, in Tamagotchi as a thing. So I've been looking up different models over the years and all of that. And out of curiosity, I had a look at the mobile game, My Tamagotchi mm. Forever. Fucking disgusting. Yeah, how how infinite microtransactions is it? <laughs> yes. It is, yes. yes, infinite microtransactions. Like... You look at something like a Tamagotchi and the moment you imagine how it could be monetized, you realize everything can be monetized. Um, you know, you can spend currency to speed up their sleeping because they took the concept of Tamagotchi going to bed at night and were like, well, we can just do the Farmville thing. We can do what all these yeah. mobile games do and have an energy meter. And you've got enough time for like, two or three mini games before it wants to go back to fucking bed and then you've got a like you know spend to do it it's got the you know gems which what would mobile game developers do if gems weren't a real thing they fucking love them <laughs> um so yeah you've got gems that is the premium currency that as per usual go up to batches of 99 dollars for a bunch of gems yeah. more than anyone should ever be spending on any tamagotchi yes way more like just get a normal one you'll get as much out of it and you can play it on your own terms but yeah everything's monetized in it it's it's just despicable it's despicable um i'm still checking in on it just to just because i enjoy feeling contempt so uh, I'm not going to stick with it. But I might get some different Tamagotchis from, like, previous past ones. Like, there's yeah. a Tamagotchi Angel, which is a regular Tamagotchi, but it's based around what happens after Tamagotchi die. And you're just oh. looking after a little, like, angel version that's gone to heaven. Um, that That's... that's the world building there is terrifying. Right? The Tamagotchi gets to heaven and, and it's like, no, 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 you're still on your own. I know you've reached the afterlife, but no deity is going to look after you. Yeah. You still have all the same concerns. Well, and are these all like cherubic angels or are we getting some proper biblical shit? <laughs> I wish we got biblical shit. That would be, it's it's like a, you know, a, a cherubic -y thing, like, you know, little Tamagotchi with wings. Oh, that's a shame. But my God, yes, like six-faced cherubim with like massive eagle wings the things that drive you mad just looking at them now that's a virtual pet yeah um i would i would pay for that um yeah so i'm i'm looking at them i might get some others uh the tamagotchi ocean is interesting it's where you look after fish tamagotchi and it's apparently mm. really hard to keep them alive they just decided fuck you with that one um so apparently like getting it to adulthood is a challenge in and of itself uh, the Dark Souls of Tamagotchi, if you will. I will. 
So yeah, might get a couple more, but until then, I've got this one, which is very cute. It's a little furry rabbit. We've got a little fluffy rabbit um, currently. Yeah. Uh, Conrad, have you played anything this week? Well, I, as predicted, did reopen Satisfactory again. Oh. Yeah? I saw your Discord server talking about you playing that. Yeah. Tell us all the details. How's it been going? Give us give us your big info dump. I started fresh. Yeah. And so I'm you know, I'm nowhere near where I was construction wise before, but there is some new stuff in here that is uh nice that I, I like and some stuff that I, I like less. Uh They've added a uh, a setting so that you can turn off uh, monster aggression or creature aggression. Okay. So that's cool because now I don't have to really worry about health except for like fall damage. Um, and I just the combat in this game is not mm. satisfying in any measure. Like there's just no there, there's nothing fun about it. It's just an inconvenience mm. and. Or at least it. That's how I feel about it. it um, I can't. I, it's hard to because it's so threadbare. It's hard to imagine anybody being particularly excited by the combat in this. But um, you know, it was there. And in some update videos that I had seen for the update previous to the one we're on, where abouts I had stopped playing anyway. You know, I was seeing a, almost an emphasis on combat that made me very nervous. Uh, thankfully, this has taken it just completely the other direction, and I don't have to mm. think about it anymore. And I am fine with that. Um, the other element that I've fiddled with a bit that's pretty different is they've they've added a a structure that you can use to build a layout for reproduction of your of of a building uh you get like i think it's uh 16 foot square and probably 20 or meter sorry 16 meter square 20 meter high i think give or take that you can place structures in and then save it as a blueprint and then you can use mm. your build gun to recreate that blueprint um in theory, I like this idea a lot because there are a few basic, you know, efficiency designs that you can come up with that are going to be useful multiple times. That's great. Um, the problem I have is, one, the implementation of you having to build this structure design it in there and then save it and actually build it for use somewhere else because it it's a bit annoying to tweak it then like you can reload the blueprint in the the building and go make changes and save it again but you have to do that you have to go back to it and then make a tweak and then save it and then rebuild it you have to deconstruct anything that you've built with it outside of there if it's gone wrong which leads to my other problem and that is placement. Um, it the game I struggle with perspective and distance sometimes anyway with its grid lines. Yeah. And this does not help that at all because the structures can be very large. And if especially if you build as I do with um, layers for distribution of resources to maximize build space on other floors for machinery, it can be very difficult to gauge precisely where you need to place this down. 
down. Um, and I, I was streaming it the other day, and my entire stream was essentially spent trying to put down a factory that I could have built in probably 25 minutes if I just built it from hand. But I kept trying to place it, putting it down, finding, no, it's off by two meters. I have to manually deconstruct everything in it, try again. Um, so good idea, not great implementation. A way I would have probably liked to see it done, and I, and I don't know if they'll do this, um, maybe a modder might do this or has already done this. The way deconstruction works is that you can hold down the control button and multiple select multiple objects. And I feel like you could do that with the blueprint system also. To where you've got something pre-built, you go take your gun, you highlight all of the objects that you want to trans transition over. And this could get a little fiddly with some very small conveyors and things like that. But I feel like there's a better way to do this that gives more flexibility. But A for, for effort, I appreciate the, the attempt. I will probably not be using the Blueprint Manager in the game any longer uh but i do respect that they tried it still a good game uh, i the region i decided to start from this time is the the second recommended start point it has a lot more verticality right from the get-go which i like i like building fucking tall structures with multiple levels of equipment that you know are all organized and so i'm finding that deeply satisfying and i'm ready for another 700 hours of satisfactory in 2023 hell yeah what about you laura what else have you played um, the only other thing i've really started playing this week is uh and i've not put a, a huge amount of time into it but i've started playing super lesbian animal rpg brilliant uh, okay Yep, it is a very cute top-down JRPG uh, like RPG where you play as lesbian, trans, anthropomorphic animals going off on like lovely little adventures. The pixel art on it's really lovely. Uh, there there is really nice use of like very vibrant colors, good amounts of detail. It's got a it's got a decently distinct style of its own. A lot of the enemy designs are cute little gimmicks. They're, they're silly nonsense things that are usually a kind of forced pun and an animal in a very weird shape to justify the pun, and I enjoy it very much. Um, cons like Tonally, it is set in essentially a modern-day world in terms of tech level, but magic exists. There was a goddess who... Uh, Basically helped advance the state of the world, but also left behind, hey, magic exists, you can work out how to use it. Um, and it is seemingly the story of early 20s trans woman and her, her, her girlfriend, and their two, two friends that also, they, it seems like they're kind of flirting with, learning to go be heroes and adventurers. Um... I like a lot about this game's, like, uh, I, I'm still fairly early on in it, but a few things that I like about the combat system, um, each character has a thing that is, like, that character's thing they are expected to be doing in combat, and it's really easy to work out what that is, because they have a little star meter that fills up whenever you do the thing that that character is meant to be doing. So, like, there is a good visual indicator of are you doing the, are you doing, using the character the way they're meant to be used? Mm -hmm. Uh, that is then a spendable resource that you can use on more powerful special attacks. So, like, uh, your first two party members 
Uh, really nice thing. Uh, your main character, your primary party member, is a healer, which you very rarely get in RPGs. Yeah, that almost never happens. Yeah, having the healer be the RP- the, the main character, but yeah, for the healer, uh, every time you do your basic normal heal, you fill up that star meter and you can use that towards doing big group heals, for example. Uh, you've got a very melee combat-focused fo- character who... Using the basic costs nothing attack action fills up that meter, and it can be then spent on specific kinds of strong attacks that will, like, sometimes target the left or right of an enemy, which sometimes factors in, or will attack uh, the top or bottom of an enemy that are somewhat directional stronger attacks. Um, Each of the characters has this kind of, like, system to them, and it flows really nicely. Um, there's a lot of just, like, nice little quality of life things in there, like, um, a very effective auto-equip system for your, for your equipment that I very much appreciate. Um, the writing is, is cute, and it's charming, and I'm kind of infatuated with this. It is just a fun... I've been looking for, like, a, a nice... A nice traditional RPG that get, uh, grabs my attention, and the narrative and presentation of this, and the sort of speed at which it moves have gotten me really on board with it. Um, I'm not hugely far in, but right now I'm really into it. So, yeah, super lesbian animal RPG. That's delightful. Huh. Yeah. It's it's nice to have a game that's just, this is just very gay, and it's it's just very very gay and very colourful, and I beat up a, a, a snake that was a, a, a hooped ring eating its own tail trying to roll around on the floor. It was great. You had me at super lesbian. Yeah. The first two words you said... Had me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, the first two party members you have, it's like, ah, okay, yep, we, we've, we've, got two, we've got two lesbians, one of whom is trans, in our first set of party members. Go save the world or whatever with, with magic. Lovely. And being in your early 20s and not really sure what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Steph, what about you? What else have you been playing this week? Early 20s must be fucking nice. Um, I played a game that I fucking love. It yeah. makes me so happy. I finished it last night and I'd heard a bit about it. I had people on like live stream like yelling at me to play it. And then I streamed a little bit of it. Um sort of I think like two weeks ago or something, like last week. Whatever. Uh, it's called Little Gator Game. Oh Little Gator and Game. It's yes. so lovely. It's just lovely. <sighs> it's a game about a little well, a little gator. Uh, who essentially is playing a LARP. Um, they love mm. video games and love um, love a game that's clearly supposed to be a take on The Legend of Zelda. And mm-hmm. they used to play this game when they were a bit younger with their bigger sister. But their sister is too busy to play now because she's at uh, co- in college and working hard and growing up. So... The Gator plans to recruit every child on the island into the game um, mm-hmm. to show the sister how fun it is so she'll play again. And it's so sweethearted and a little bit sad because um, the island has like lots of still images of the two Gators that represent memories of them playing the game and like with little bits of dialogue. Um, it's very sweet and very funny. The the main character is just this excitable little kid who, like, clearly has ADHD or something. Just, like, super mm-hmm. distracted and super, um, but hyper-focused on this big live-action role-playing experience. Um, 
like I say, very, very inspired by Zelda. Um, they say, like, the hero has to be clad in green and have a pointy hat. And the gate is fine with that because they're already green. And you find a little hat. <laughs> and enemies are cardboard cutouts of monsters that are just littered all over the island. They don't fight back. You just hit them and they just fall apart and you get loot in the form of trash. There's actually a great bit where um, one kid's pretending to be a vampire and won't leave her cave because it's sunny outside. And there's a man with an ice cream cart just across the river and she won't leave the cave. So you've got to go buy it. And the guy says it's three dollars and you hand over three bits of loot and he's like what is this <laughs> this is a takeout this is a bit of a takeout bag i can see the grease stains on it so you then have to um text your friend and then get your sister involved to scrape together the money that you then try and um pay for using your phone because they said they'd wire six dollars over um, oh, it's just very funny and um you know, then you bring the the ice cream to the vampire, and she she's part of a quest of a group of kids who sort of split up, and you've got to get them all together, then do um, a final thing. And the general idea of the game is exploring this island and finding characters to befriend, and they're just dotted all over it. Um, each one has their own quote unquote quest, um, which stuff like that ice cream thing there's one like little dog who has a giant oversized pencil wants to join the game but realizes the format so has to come up with something for you to complete so they can just go and join the game so they've got this big pencil and they just drop it on the floor and go oh no i dropped my pencil whoever will come and save me you just pick it up give it to them then they go oh no i've dropped it again and they just hurl it they just fucking throw it and make you go after it again. Um, and it's just a lot of stuff like that. Just a lot of silly stuff. Um, it's, like I say, very funny, very charmingly written. It's got a lot of, like, video game-based jokes, but it's not not fourth wall breaking because they're discussing the tropes as children who play video games. So it's not like I'm a game that knows I'm a game. It's these are children emulating a video game. It's children going. I'm. I'm trying to tell a story out. A story with my friends, but the only real reference point I have is the media I've consumed, and therefore yes. the story I'm telling is just a knockoff of the things I've played. Because that's how children play. Yeah. There's uh the only like bit I think that comes close to fourth wall breaking is one of those memories. The character models are part way through um a wall, and the uh. The little gator says, oh yeah, this windmill wasn't built when we did this. That's why it's clipping through it. Yeah. Um, which was, that, it did make me titter. The game just makes me smile a lot. And it's just full of yeah. just these wonderfully written characters. Um, there's one bit with a, a, a duck that won't talk. Who uses they, them pronouns, incidentally? Um, won't talk and you've got to get to the root of why. And it takes the form of a Phoenix Wright style courtroom where the gator just drags the duck and their other friend um over to i think it was like a tree stump and they just sit behind it um making them play a court game um and most of it's dialogue based you know the enemies are cardboard 
Um, so there's no real threat. It's a game about exploring. Um, there's like a few obstacle course races that you can do, just a few timed races. Um, there's a lot of uh, items you can build using the loot. Um, a lot of swords and shields, all of which are improvised items, uh, obviously, mm. you know, like a, the shield can be like a, a paint palette or a trash can lid. Uh, the swords are things like there's a, a spanner or a little plastic princess wand. And it's all aesthetic, but like I think part of this game's message is having fun for fun's sake, which carries on mm. over into a lot of the um, optional gear that you can map to like two of the shoulder buttons. There's like, you can unlock bubble gum. You press a button, you blow a bubble, you float in the air for a little bit. That's it. That's all it is. You get one of those rubber, like, sticky hand toys. You just latch onto something, and that's it. Uh, or a teddy bear that inexplicably lets you ragdoll. You press a button, you just flop, and then you can flop about on the ground for a bit. Um, just lots of stuff like that. There's The only real practical ones are, like, you can get a paint blaster or um, a little, uh, little paper shurikens, and they can be used as projectiles. Um, but that's about it. Like, it's a game about recruiting befriending all these animals and sending them to the playground which over time you will construct into a town um there are several friend groups that once you recruit you can build another bit of the town which is painting on cardboard and then slapping it over playground equipment and eventually you build up this fun little playground town that you just sort of wander around and talk to your friends in um it's not massively long and i think some people might not feel there's much going on with it but if you like just laid back adventure games um and and aren't put off mm. by the fact that it looks like it should play like zelda but it plays like a facsimile of zelda made by children um i think you get a lot out of it it's got some subtle representation like i say there's some uh, they them pronouns and I'm pretty sure one character um, is, or two characters are explicitly gay. Um, it's just very sweet, like very, um, just lovely. It makes me smile so much. I was sad when I finished it because I wanted to stay. That's the sign yeah. of a good game. I wanted to stay. So I forgot to put that on the list, but I did play that since last week. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't finished it, but I... I keep stopping myself because I know it's going to end and I don't want it to be over. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm having that whole thing of like, I want to play this in like really little doses so I can stretch it out because I don't want yes. to end my time with it. It is just so sweet. Um, and the humour reminds me a lot of uh, Donut County. That sort mm. of, I always describe it as like dorky humour. Um, it's just like little nerdy characters just being silly and... It's it's great. The dialogue is so good. Like it it didn't have me like rolling laugh out loud, but it's just so consistently amusing. Hmm. And and never like is overwhelming. Doesn't get too meta. Doesn't outstay its welcome. It's just charming, Carnet. Can't recommend it enough. Really. Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, no. 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 I mean, no. I, I played <laughs> I played Spelunky too. Actually, and I've had. 
boy, I don't know, something's happened, some switch has happened, you know, flipped in my brain that I can't seem to play that game anymore. I mean, I can, I, I, I do, I enjoy it, but I just, I, I am dying in the most stupid ways. Just, like, not tapping the jump button ju at the right time anymore, and, like, there's, something's wrong. And that's, I, I'm in the top 1% of Spelunky 2 streamers, which yeah, is, I guess, what up. happens when you actually consistently play one game every week for a year. Yeah. As someone who was in the top 1% of Pokemon Legends Arceus streamers last year, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pick one game and you fucking stick with it. Yeah, uh, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been shameful. It's been real bad. And, like, not even just on the stream. I was playing it last night, and I had... Like three or four runs where I did just, I, I did something so mind-bogglingly stupid. I actually had to stop and walk away, like, and then come back and do it again. Like, what's wrong with me? Um. So yeah, that's yeah, that's it. That's all I've really played at all this week. Yeah. Uh, Steph, you played anything else? No. Hang on. So you handed me something they've cooked. One sec. That's fucking nice, sir. Yep. What you get handed? Like a pasta curry kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. He's been smuggling vegetables into food to where you don't notice they're in there. It's yeah. genius. It's a technique that works well both on toddlers and people who are neurodivergent. Yes. <laughs> it's a very similar category of needs at yeah. times. <laughs> Same goes for Pokemon, I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've played... I've been replaying Dragon's Dogma a little bit. I ain't got much to say about it, though. Their masterworks all you can't go wrong. Goblins are risen, all roads lead to Grand Sauron. All the One observation I noticed while streaming it, though, is that the game makes pawns of us all because it's so known for the repetitive phrases that whenever you bring the game up, everyone repeats the phrases just like the pawns in the game. And we, we, we all become thralls to it. So... <laughs> I don't trust that game. I think it's a psyop. Yeah. Yeah, that's about all I've got to say about that. Their masterworks all. You can't go wrong. You reckon it's, it's trying to be... It's like, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. No, no, no. They're just sleeper, sleeper agenting phrases into you. Right? We're all going to get activated. Dragon's Dogma 2 is going to activate us. That's what I'm worried about. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing that. It's fine. It, it's what it is, you know? It's uh, a game with many bad elements that is still weirdly compelling. Like, I love and hate it at the same time. Um, yeah, that's that. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, well, if that's all of the games that people have played this week, should we talk about a little bit of news? Yeah. Can do. Uh, some positive news. Um, so we talked a couple of weeks back about how um, uh, 300 QA testers at Zenimax um, wanted to unionise. Mm -hmm. And we talked at the time about the fact that Microsoft... Uh, the Xbox had gone out of their way to be like, we will not in any way union bust. We will not oppose you forming a union in any way. Good for you. Well, that's gone ahead. Microsoft has voluntarily recognized the 300 person uh, Zenimax testers union after their successful union vote. Good. Now, the context that, like, maybe I'm just being cynical here. Us? Part of me wonders. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, us. Um, part of me wonders how much of this is perhaps due to the fact that they've got regulators breathing down their neck right now. 100%. Yes. Yeah. 100%. It's not merely that they are under, you know, scrutiny right now. They are under scrutiny for attempting to purchase a company that is in a very public battle with 
its unionizing workforce. That's the thing. Like, they want the implication to be, if you let us buy ABK, we will recognize their their existing unions. We will be good for their unions. We will treat their employees better. This is good for the employees. This is good for the workforce to come to Microsoft. Yes. And they want the implication to be, we will do this going forward. Mm -hmm. And I would love to believe that will be true, because if so, that would be a really positive development for this industry to have Microsoft taking the, it really should be a standard, step of voluntarily recognising unions. And yet it's hard to believe that, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to believe it. Like, my every fibre of me says, no, though, they're... They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna find a way to weasel back out of it. Well, here's the the thing that needs to be um, kept in mind, because yeah, this is perfectly good public relations for Microsoft, especially while regulators are looking at it. It's positive. Union recognition is positive; should mm-hmm. be encouraged. Um, but I don't want people to think that this means that if it acquires Activision Blizzard, everything's going to be fucking peachy keen with Activision Blizzard. Because when when the news first happened about that acquisition plan, that's what people yeah. wanted to. That's what people wanted to believe because yeah. a lot of people don't want to feel guilty playing games they want to play, and it's very easy to tell yourself that everything's okay now because Microsoft's in charge. Um, yes. When the the problem with Activision Blizzard is the rot has been so deeply set into that, and if you're keeping men like Bobby Kotick, which I don't think they will, I I don't think Kotick's expected, I think, to step down once the once he can get the biggest possible payout. Yeah. For the time, I do not think uh, Kotick will be hanging out after the acquisition is completed. I mean, one would hope. But certainly right now, as long as men like Bobby Kotick, as long as the board that circled the wagons around Bobby Kotick, as long as the executives... Who have I mean, been you know, there yeah, you. that's the thing. It's 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 not. It doesn't stop with Kotick. Kotick is responsible, but there's a whole group of people that enabled and supported his decision making at you know the rung down, and they're going to still be there for the most part. And it does not mm. necessarily reflect actual progress. As long but, as, but like, I do also want to note that like, even if it doesn't continue, it's still great that it did happen here. Like, I I want to keep that moment of going, I'm so glad for these QA workers that they had an easy time of that first step and didn't have to do that particular battle. Um, Also, like, worth noting for context, this is the first time Microsoft has ever agreed to recognise a union voluntarily, which either marks a very exciting step for them or is indicative of the fact they aren't going to do this once their eyes are off them. It's also the biggest video game union to ever form in the US uh, now, uh, which is really good. So, like, I want to throw those in. Well, yeah, yeah, all of these concerns are very pressing concerns. I'm just saying, like, cynicism when it comes to the game industry is never wrong. Even yeah. if it even if it turns out that the uh, reason to be cynical uh, doesn't come to pass, this ain't an industry that's done anything to foster trust. I mean, it's always proven that the moment a company can get away with something, like something shitty, it's gonna do it. Uh, and Microsoft is no different. Microsoft's hands are not 
clean if you look at the years of its behavior um like every corporation it eventually wants a, a de facto monopoly um and then we'll see how reasonable the game pass stays then we'll see how reasonably workers are treated then we'll see if all of the stated commitments tm that microsoft have put out um in the wake of the um the the suit from the ftc uh will will hold water um yeah. this is an industry that constantly tells you to trust it and has done nothing but betray that trust time and time again um so while this is a very positive step um i'm never gonna assume that this means everything's okay or is gonna be okay that is perfectly put. Uh, we have a couple of other bits of Microsoft trying to purchase ABK news to go through. Um, some of these are just continued quotes in the sort of flinging back and forth between the two. Um, so Microsoft has responded to the FTC's lawsuit, uh, and as part of their filing, Microsoft has basically, and I'm going to paraphrase here and then I'll give the quote, but the paraphrased version is, but but Sony's allowed exclusives, so tell them off, not us. Um, the 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 specifics is that Microsoft is defending its purchasing of Activision Blizzard, uh, which it's definitely not going to use to make those games exclusive. Definitely not. It's defended its position by pointing at Sony and saying, well, it's got a handful of prominent games that are uh, are exclusive and don't come to Xbox. Um, they, they've pointed out a couple of, like... Cause, and here's where I want to, like... I, I want to point out where their comparison, like, doesn't hold water. Mm -hmm. Is they've pointed out um, Bloodborne, okay. Final Fantasy XVI, uh -huh. and Silent Hill 2 Remaster. Okay, interesting. And, interesting. and of, of those three, one of them... Um, we know is it is only twelve months of exclusivity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, one of them isn't confirmed, but like there have been rumors about it only being a twelve month exclusive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. only one that's been a permanent exclusive is Bloodborne, which is one entry in a series and not the entire series going forward. Well, it's not even really one entry in a series. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a thematically and mechanically similar game from that publisher, but it's not the next numbered entry in the series, and it's one exclusive. The difference is, is that Microsoft is trying to point out and go, look at Sony, they do exclusives too. It's like, yeah, that's still shitty. They do, ex but they're also doing exclusives. That is an exclusive with a third party that they are, yeah. you know, that deal will end, yeah. that, you know, there's a, it's, there's a, yeah. A point. Microsoft can go to that third party and go, okay, next time we'll offer you these terms to make it exclusive to us. There is still room for negotiation. Mm -hmm. It's not Sony owning those companies and going, from now on, that series you love will only ever be on our thing. Do you know what I love about this? You know what I fucking love about this? What do you this? love? You've got two fucking platform holders. You've got two fucking console manufacturers. Now arguing that exclusivity is bad. <laughs> yep. Both of them now. Microsoft hey. chiming in as well. Yep. Microsoft and Sony both are trying to tell us that the exclusivity that they have been selling their consoles on the back of for generations now, multiple console yep. generations, they're now saying it's bad. And one thing I would absolutely love is if they argue themselves into regulation off the back of this. Yeah. If they successfully argue enough that it's unethical and um, um, 
what is it like unfair business practices yeah. to secure exclusives um even if it doesn't lead to regulation they've talked themselves into a rhetorical corner with this uh, certainly one that i'm going to be dining off of for the next several years you know you notice who's keeping their mouth real shut mm-hmm <laughs> Nintendo's yeah. just sitting back being like, okay, well, uh, we'll see where this lands. But they they do very limited exclusivity when they do. Like yeah. their strength is in their own IP that yeah. they developed. This speaks to how Nintendo has always been uh, existing in a bubble. It's mm-hmm. always been, I've pointed this out for many, yeah. many years. Like there's a reason why I often make predictions about third-party publishers, I make predictions about console manufacturers, uh, Sony and Microsoft, and a lot of them turn out to be true because I'm the Cassandra of video games, but I never call a shot with Nintendo because they're an anomaly and they do their own thing and they don't quite follow market trends. They have always, first and foremost, their perspective on what this business is, is simply different. You know, and I've I've always sort of put it in the the mindset of they make toys. They're a toy maker. And everybody else is running around here trying to do something other than make toys. They're trying to make media. They're trying to make, you know, art, whatever. And Nintendo makes toys and they do it very well. I would also note in terms of differences for Nintendo is that they do have exclusives and even sometimes third party exclusives. Well, but their second they have a second party system that they've really developed from their inception, where they had these other studios that they have a kind of exclusive relationship with. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about like things like uh, you know, fuck Ubisoft, but stuff like Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, where they've been like, hey, we will give you use of our characters to make a game that is exclusive for our system. But even outside of that, they get exclusive software because they are not in the same ballpark of hardware power as their competitors. Feature set as well. Like, they they consistently produce a console. Like, post-GameCube, they consistently produce a console that is functionally different in some way from the other competitors in the marketplace. And that's a huge strength. And it prevents them getting a lot of those cross-platform things, but it does mean that they fairly criticism-free get unique exclusive software. Mm -hmm. And that works for them. Both of these points um, feed into the big, like, I think the biggest difference between Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft when it comes to software, um, between having a unique Mm. hardware that facilitates the production of games that you can't get anywhere else, and the collaborations like um, the the, uh, Mario um, and Rabbids or like Hyrule Warriors, stuff like that. It's the difference between using ideas, leveraging your own intellectual property and your own innovations versus swinging your fiscal dick around right. and just buying exclusivity, just buying a competitive Yes. It, it's exclusivity that feels earned and justified rather than we paid to arbitrarily say no. Yeah. Yep. And in the case of some games, it's because no one else will fucking pick it up. Like, the reason Bayonetta's exclusive is because Nintendo was the one that was like, yeah, all right, we'll publish that. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just, it's such a different philosophy. And I think this little war between Sony and Microsoft, of which there are no good guys, by the way, they want you to pick a side. There's no side. There is no side here. I, 
In a perfect world, we uh, video game consoles would essentially be DVD players. Whichever brand you buy, you can get all of the things on if it. If there wasn't, like, so much on the line for a lot of people and, you know, like, professionally and creatively, this is the sort of thing that I would just stand back and be entertained to watch two fucking assholes mm. go, out, go at it, right? Like... To me, it's reminiscent of when Sony and Disney got into that argument over Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. And and again, people wanted to root for one corporation yes. over another, when really all you're looking at is two incredibly wealthy entities fighting over being more wealthy. And that is not anything that we should be celebrating rooting for. Um, it's not our fight. It's really not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so other things that came up in the Activision Blizzard Microsoft realm this week, because every week it's going to be multiple times, because that's how this goes now. Um, Microsoft is pushing back against the, uh, the FTC's lawsuit, uh, trying to claim that the lawsuit is unconstitutional. Uh, their core argument is that, uh, their, their Fifth Amendment right to due process is being, uh, is being, um, Infringed? Not respected. Infringed, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, basically, because the FTC starts the lawsuit and will be the final adjudicator on whether, on what the, the end result is, Microsoft is trying to go, I have a right to like a, to a, like a public trial and not just to be... To a hearing? Oh my god. Yeah, they're trying. They're trying to argue that they should get a hearing rather than being like, "Oh, oh, you're trying to do this behind the doors where we don't get anyone overseeing what you're doing." Okay, well, I'll tell you, you know what. You let us all watch all of your, you know, decision making, and sure, fine. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that came out uh, as part of this is that, uh, according to some some paperwork that has come out of the uh, the lawsuit back and forth, it seems like Microsoft is trying really hard to argue that this is primarily. They're buying ABK primarily for Candy Crush, uh, Candy Crush developer King, and it's like, oh, don't, don't worry about exclusivity in console games. We're not even worried about that. We're just, we're just, we're just buying ABK to, to get King. Like, don't even worry about the console stuff. <laughs> to be fair, there, there may be some truths in that. I, I'm not saying there's not some truth to it, but. Like, I, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot of market value in having Call of Duty. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, they, there's there's a lot of good reasons to have it, and it does fit into their general vision of dominating living rooms that has existed since Xbox began. But that yeah. that Candy Crush, that's some uh, <laughs> some sweet money. I recognize that that's where the money is, but like using that to try and pretend that Call of Duty isn't. Oh yeah, yeah. Why is everyone talking about Call of Duty being exclusive, being the problem? Oh, we, we, like Call of Duty is such an afterthought in this for us. Oh. It's not just the money. Like the money's good. You know what's great? Yeah. The data. Yeah. Like they're gonna. Yeah. They're, that's gonna put Microsoft onto so many more phones in a way that they haven't been before. They are. Mm. They are. They have had very limited access to mobile devices because they tried to go their own way and this and that. And it's never. They've never found a way to get onto the platform in a meaningful fashion. And this could be their Trojan horse. So I. I actually. Yeah. 
I kind of believe them when I when they say that the reason that they're doing this acquisition is to get King. And I would not be surprised if the Call of Duty thing is a bit of a thorn in their sides because they they they, they want that they want that power, but. But what they really want is this other yeah. power. I, I genuinely do think if they'd had the option of just purchasing King and had tried to do that, they would have had a lot less scrutiny on them. Oh, absolutely. Despite the ridiculously huge purchase that would have been. Mm-hmm. But, you know, good luck convincing the Activision board to sell off just King. Oh, yeah, yeah, because like they, they recognize that's a huge part of what will get them the big buy. Yeah. They are a less valuable proposition without it. Well, and even if they weren't seeking a buyout, like, even if that wasn't the end goal, and it may not have been, like, they may not have been considering a buyout until being approached by Microsoft. There are, there are some publishers where I could see, like, Ubisoft, I get why they are desperate for a buyout right now. Activision Blizzard, they're, honestly, nobody seems to give a shit about how horrible they are, to my great chagrin. To our, our, you know, our tremendous frustration, apart from their employees and some people like us who refuse to let go of this because it's fucking morally reprehensible, um, I, I think they could have weathered it and would have been fine. And, you know, like they aren't as as urgently, I think, in need of or desirous yeah. of getting out of this business. The opportunity, I think my suspicion is, is that it presented itself. And um, I, I still feel like part of it was all the bad press. This, if they were ever going to sell, this was the moment to do it. To you know, launder that reputation and to go to get a big payout and have the company name seem like it had been fixed. Yeah, they just they they do seem. It's dangerous when you are at the the size and scale of uh, an organization like this to get the buyout, right? Because mm. there's very few people who can do it. And, um, so the, the way you, you can profit and get out is piecemeal, is either piecemeal shifting off portions of the business and working your way downscale until you can sell it off and it's not going to attract this level of, of attention and scrutiny, or you build a new consortium of investors, they acquire it, uh, in pieces Mm. and you parcel it out that way. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, anyway, we're, I mean, we're kind of getting into weeds on this, but, yeah. um, yeah, I, I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that what they truly want is king. Um, yeah. I believe them. Um, other stuff. We've got a bunch of Square Enix news this week. Um, where do we even start with this? Um, I'm going to get this one out of the way nice and quick. Um, Steph, you know how you did an episode of the Jimquisition this week about uh, Square Enix shutting down a bunch of live services? Oh, yeah, I know where this is going. Yeah, they've closed down another one <laughs> this week. Yeah, the news came out as I was... Like, the yeah. video just went up, and then I, it happened. I am I am very aware of the timing. I am I am aware this is not a surprise to you, but yeah... It just makes your fucking episode this week so much more uh, timely. Oh yeah, Cassandra of video games. It's pure prescience, mate. What were the first three that you talked about this week that had been cancelled? It was uh, Chocobo GP. Chocobo GP, uh, Babylon's, Babylon's Fall, Fall and, and Final, the Final Fantasy. Fantasy thing. Yep. The first soldier? Is that what it was? Yep. Okay. So now, Square Enix is shutting down Bravely, uh, Bravely Default Brilliant Lights, uh, which is 
a a mobile game that uh, it, it's gonna last until February. Uh, when when did it when did it start? I'm trying to find when that game uh, was. It was January January 2022. So it's gonna have lasted 13 months before it uh, got shut down. Um, they're at least with this one gonna have like the f- like a, a an arc of the narrative to finish off the plot in before they close it. It's not gonna end mid plot line, but it's another it's another ongoing updates mobile game that people had invested money in that's uh, imminently being closed. Cool. But don't worry, everyone. Square Enix did their annual uh, New Year's New Year's update on how how the business is going. Yeah, the annual and they doubled threat. they doubled down on blockchain some more. Oh, good. Oh, well. Then. Yeah, yeah. Th- these live services they ain't surviving, but NFTs are definitely still the future. I know I say it every time, but I can't wait. I can't wait to find out which executives invested in NFTs and are desperately trying to claw it back. It's yeah. got to have happened. It has got to have happened for the amount they're humping like this dry, dry well. Oh, my my favorite bit of this is that um, Matsuda from from Square Enix tried to sell the fact that everyone fucking hates NFTs and they've all been scams and everything's been terrible as actually maybe a positive for Square Enix. Okay. Um, right, uh... Yes. So he acknowledged the somber string of news stories with blockchain connections from 2022 and then says the following. If this proves to have been a step in a process that leads to the creation of rules and more transparent business environment, it will definitely have been for the good of the growth of the blockchain entertainment. So, like, it's good that blockchain stuff was all a lot of big scams, because, like, then they'll fix it so it won't be scams. So this thing we're going all in on might be less scams. So it's actually very good that everyone did blockchain scams. Oh. The problem is, is if you're into NFTs, you're already a scammer. So I don't think a scammer is going to fix scams. That's the problem. You, you That's like reckon? the huh. it's the ultimate paradox of this. Like, NFTs are a scam. If you do them, you're a scammer. So you can't say it's okay that scams happened because we'll fix it because you're a fucking scammer. Fraudulent fuck. Yeah, yeah. So Square Enix still seems adamant it's going to do a bunch of big AAA blockchain exclusive uh, nonsense stuff. Um... Uh, as I said in last year's New Year's letter, if we consider traditional gaming to have been centralised, then blockchain gaming must operate based on the self-sustaining decentralised model. It is that concept, that philosophy, that I see to be key. Blah, 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 blah. He just rattles on and on and on and on and on and on and on about how it's not backing down. You're holding the wrong position. I-, I do respect that you're holding a position, I guess. I... Because that's, you know, that's at least unusual to, to, yeah. have, to not just... Uh. I think it's perfectly uh, in line with a video game executive to have strong principles over a situation that requires you to have no principles. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's admirable. <laughs> um... So what other Square Enix news? Uh, update on the whole Yuji Naka situation. <laughs> uh, it's no longer just uh, accusations being thrown around. Uh, Yuji Naka has now been formally indicted for insider trading. Um, prosecutors uh, have have basically said 
there is enough evidence that we are very confident we can prove that uh, these investments would not have been made if they had not known that Square Enix was about to announce a partnership with the companies involved. Um, so, yeah, that that's not going away anytime soon. Sorry, Yuji Naki. Um... That's gonna be that's gonna be a rough one for you. You you are you live in a country that is famously very 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 tough in on on people in the criminal justice system. Um, what, did we have anything else? I'm just double checking. I think I think that might be it oh, for this week. All right. Yeah. Look at that. That was not so bad. Yeah. 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 Not bad at all. Um, I know what else is not bad. What else is not bad? Laura Kate Dale. That's what true. have you done? Oh, Where can we get it? Oh, oh Laura Kate Dale. Uh, Laura K Buzz, pretty much everywhere on the internet. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, Twitch, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, I do a bunch of stuff on the internet. Um, uh, soon we're going to be starting season 10 of Dice Funk, uh, which is going to be a sort of space-themed season uh some sort of star trekky influences so look forward to that um i have uh who hunts the whale is coming out on february 16th that's like a little over a month away it is a novel that i wrote with my wife about um someone trying to navigate and survive um corrupt shitty business practices in the video game industry and trying to work out what can be done from the inside while going through that i'm i'm so proud of that book look forward to it um also, keep an eye out this week on YouTube for uh, a video about Pokemon that will probably be going up that I suspect to ruffle some feathers, but I'm very proud of it. So look forward to big, long Pokemon video. Go go look for that. Uh, what about you, Conrad? Well, you could find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman where I will probably be streaming satisfactory for... Well, maybe not, maybe not, but, you know, probably. Uh, you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com. Um, and everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistchuck. Have you, you heard of Patreon, Steph? Have you heard of that? Uh, on the grapevine. Yeah. On the grapevine, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have? Do you oh, have I've got picture? one. Oh, oh, you do. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, fucking hell. Yes. Uh, Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Uh, that supports this show, Jimquisition, obviously, uh, and other things. Uh, game reviews uh, as well. Uh, review for Choo Choo Charles just went up on the Jimquisition.com. And I've got a little Gator review uh, coming very soon. Um, I've almost finished the draft. Uh, so that's good. Uh, I also stream at Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Um, my current wrestling bookings that have been confirmed are January 14th, True Grit in Leeds, January 28th, True Grit in Sheffield, uh, February 5th, Sovereign Pro Wrestling in Manchester, and March the 17th and the 18th, PCW's Road to Glory Tournament in Blackpool. Um, hope to have some more dates filled out. Um, and we will have news on a new Spectrum Wrestling show uh, in the near future. So thank you all so much uh, to everyone who um, supports us through any which avenue. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Right, I've got to clean up my Tamagotchi shit. <laughs>